0: Smashing Security Episode 06 A Romantic Ransomware Hotel Break with Carol Terriot, Vanya Schweitzer and Graham Clooley. Hello everybody, and welcome to episode 6, Smashing Security, 2nd of February 2017. And I'm joined as always by my good chums, Vanja Schweitzer and Carol Terrio. And you may have noticed a difference already. That's right. We have got a new theme tune on the podcast. Now, I don't want to point any fingers, but <laughs> somebody, w- yeah, that's right. Somebody wanted us to change the theme tune. I thought the existing theme tune was pretty good, actually. I thought it was doing reasonably well. But it seems some people weren't as much of a fan of it. Is it me or Carole?
1: Yeah, some people might have thought that we could have made a better theme tomb. So we're trying one out to see what people think.
0: I see. Well, you know, I, I actually I quite like it. To be honest, it's, it's all right. I like the tinkly little bit, dinga 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 ding. I like that bit.
1: And people can come back. Right? People can tell us. I hate it. I love it. Obviously, they're probably going to love it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think they'll they'd be
2: probably very concerned about it.
1: Yes, very concerned. <laughs> very,
2: very. Oh yes, very huge concerned.
0: amount of concern. They'll be marching in the street about it. Like, have you heard what Smashing Security have done with their theme
2: tune? They changed the theme tune. Oh, my they're God. Own,
0: they're only six episodes in, and already they're making these kind of fundamental changes. Don't, don't they recognise the value of brand and how they're destroying it? They're crumbling. They're crumbling. No wonder they're going down the charts. No wonder people aren't leaving reviews for them any longer on iTunes. By the way, you can leave reviews for us on iTunes. I don't know if I've mentioned that. It might be a nice thing to do. Um, anyway... What are we going to talk about today? Oh, we've got three topics uh, we're going to talk about today. And topic number one. That's yours. Um, it's me, is it? Okay. Uh, well, I'm going to talk to you about something which happened over the weekend, a big story which broke um, about a luxury hotel in Austria, a four-star hotel called the Romantic <laughs> Sea Hotel Jagervert. Uh, apologies for my bad uh, Austrian accent, um, which apparently isn't a beautiful setting up up in the Alps. And they got hit by ransomware. Well, big flipping deal. You know, lots of organisations getting hit by ransomware all the time. But the headlines in this particular case said that the ransomware had affected the hotel system so badly that 180 guests were locked in their hotel rooms god
1: that would be so scary i think i would jump into you know claustrophobia mode if that happened to me (laughs) i would be clawing at the windows and lots of hotels don't even have windows that open anymore
0: no no they don't they don't that's right i I think that's partly to get back all the smokers isn't it they don't let you open the windows so that you have to trudge along all the way downstairs and out the building and i thought it was for jumpers i thought it was for jumpers Oh, how cheery you are, Carol, for <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I suppose you die either way, don't you? You die if you... Actually, we're all dying, let's face it. We've all got a terminal illness. None of us are going to live to be 130 years old. Anyway, you digress. Well... I do digress. That's that's top, that's part of the call. Speak for yourself, call. Graham. <laughs> Vanya, you are getting very close. As we know, ever since your 62nd birthday, yeah, week, um, you you are getting you're, you're going to be. Don't worry about it. You're going to be fine. Anyway, the point is, all these headlines were saying that people have been locked into their hotel rooms. Well, that is absolute nonsense. Well, it sounds pretty plausible to me. But that
2: obviously, you know, if you say it's not true, then. Hmm.
0: Of course it's not plausible, Vanya, and I'll explain why, right? Fire regulations, first of all. Okay? They're always going to panic about hotels. If you've got hundreds of people in a hotel and f you've all seen the tower in Inferno, right? It's an absolute disaster when one of these things sets fire. You need an easy way of getting out. And if you have to if it's three o'clock in the morning when the fire alarm goes off, you don't want to have to be scrabbling around looking for your little key card in order to get out of your room. And that's why when you're in a hotel room, you'll see there's actually a proper, normal, analogue. sort of physical handle Handle. there, right? And you can just open it. So it may be a little bit trickier getting in, but it's always really, really easy to get out. So that's one reason why I instantly thought... That sounds I, you know what?
1: I, I'm going to take point. I, I I don't think it's always easy to get out. I think if you're in a very modern hotel, it is. But I've been in hotels where it's a kind of, you know, the kind of key you put in and you have to keep track of the key and you don't hand it into the desk. You can lose your key. So I don't know. I suppose it'd be easy to get out in that case,
0: wouldn't it? Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes, of I guess. Oh, it, is it one of those, you, is it one of those hmm. locks on a chain crawl which has baffled you? You know where you sort of... <laughs> hook it on it's like oh oh i can't open the door all the way i can't open it all the way is that what is that what you're struggling with nice
1: nice
2: nice well well it's difficult sometimes you you know you close yourself in a loo and it's very difficult to get out i freak out
0: oh oh bless you Vanya. really anyway what else would have happened if this had been true wouldn't you have expected all of those hotel guests Okay, they're, they're stuck in their hotel rooms. I've done a search on the, on the hotel's website. They did have Wi-Fi. Wouldn't all of these people have gone on Instagram and Twitter and indeed TripAdvisor and left very negative reviews, said, I'd love to say something nice about this hotel, but unfortunately I've been locked in my room. Wouldn't people be doing that? Wouldn't people be oh. live streaming on YouTube saying, oh, I'm stuck in my hotel room? But there was none of that going on at all.
1: So what we're saying here is that this wasn't true and people reported it anyway because no one did the research. Is
0: that is that the story? So it, this is what appears to have happened. It looks like there was a ransomware incident at this particular hotel, as there are organizations all over the world. Of course, people are always getting hit by ransomware. But what it did was it hit the keycard system which meant that the hotel reception desk weren't able to, you know, create new key cards for people, you know, so as people mm-hmm. were coming in. And that, that obviously would be a bit of a pain, and the system was down for a day or so um, while they were recovering and, and, and bringing it back. It looks like they did eventually pay the ransom. But nobody got locked in their hotel rooms. And in fact, if you look at the actual quotes from the hotel staff, they say that everybody was actually out on the ski slopes at the time anyway, so it was no big deal. But... You're right, Crow. People love stories like this. Mm. People love to share this kind of... Because what a fantastic anecdote, if it had been true. People locked in their hotel rooms because of a malware attack. Not a targeted attack, but just one which happened to hit this hotel. And you can bet your bottom dollar that there will be security firms out there and salespeople who will carry on trotting out this story as though it were true way into the future. Uh, and... It will be there in presentations and it will become an accepted truth, even though it never really happened.
2: If you repeat it enough, if, if you repeat it enough, it becomes truth. I mean, people wouldn't question it. I mean, you hear so many different stories at, at, at like sales presentations and a lot of them are probably not true anyway.
0: Mm. Yeah. And people love to repeat these. It's it's like sometimes you hear this um, quote uh, from security company presentations saying that cybercrime... Is it, uh, it makes more money than terror? Oh, no, it makes more money than the drugs trade, mm. is the claim, which you'll often see trotted out. And it's
1: like, really? But it's kind of like an urban myth, though. There's like millions and millions of urban myths. So, that's well, any
2: we'll number about. connected to cybercrime is really kind of a, a bit bogus.
1: Mm.
0: Everyone's making it up on the back of a cigarette packet, aren't they? Um, Albeit a cigarette packet which they can't actually use inside their hotel room because of the uh, regulations. There you go. All right. Well, okay. We've busted that myth at least. uh, So, well done to us for that. Um, Let's go on. Topic two.
2: Uh, I guess that's mine. Uh, So, this week... um a topic that's not necessarily a news but it kind of re- rare his its ugly head again it's and it's about um, the question whether we should use third-party antivirus software whether we should use no antivirus software at all or whether we should rely on microsoft built-in windows defender antivirus software so uh, a former developer uh, Firefox, Mozilla, Robert Callahan has wrote in his blog, and that was picked up by some news outlets, uh, and the kind of discussion uh, kind of ensued from there on. Um, so his claim is that AV software should not be used apart from the Microsoft, perhaps, because it introduces new attack surf- surface and slows the system down. So it kind of brings more harm than good into your system. So that's a kind of a a difficult kind of question and difficult uh, 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 statement to test, right? Um, I I can just say that that thinking of the history, the AV integrated with browsers just because browsers were not that great um, in the past, and their users have required them to basically block bad content. And the only way to do it is to hack inside the Windows operating system and inside the browsers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now the developers of browsers are saying, you know, not the way to do it is to rely on your know, secure browsers. And the browsers cannot be secured because there are so many pieces of heavy software there that introduces a, a, additional kind of insecurities into the browsers. So, so it's kind of a weird thing.
1: So basically, they're coming to the game late saying, you guys did it all wrong
2: basically you know I, I i think they have a valid point to 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 a point i think now the st- the state is that the browsers are a little bit better or i mean better than they much better than they used to be and av probably stay pretty much the same except also, AV, when we say AV today, many people think that AV is pretty simple scanning of content. But now there are so many different additional kind of technologies that, for, that are included that actually it's not just about AV. A lot of the security guys just think about AV of something that can block only the content they've seen before. So the known threats. Uh, but now it, it, it evolves so much that it can actually block a large amount of new and unknown threats as well. Mm.
0: So this feels to me often like a bit of a religious debate, and it, it does crop up from time to time, doesn't it? There is a group of people in the security community who really have a low regard for antivirus. And... What they often will say, amongst other things, is that antivirus... If you run an antivirus program on your computer or on your email server or somewhere on your systems, you're increasing your attack surface because there may be vulnerabilities in that antivirus software which hackers could potentially exploit in order to infect you. And yes, that's possible. And indeed, vulnerabilities have been found in many of the major antivirus products from time to time, which can be exploited. But if you're talking about exposure, the attack surface, there is no bigger exposure than the typical computer user going on the internet through a browser with no antivirus measure in place. If you don't have any security running on your computer, you're just opening yourself up for trouble. And I'm very skeptical of this suggestion by this blogger that only Microsoft are doing it right. Well, maybe he had a good experience with Microsoft in terms of integrating with his browser. But If everybody used the same antivirus software, that would be disastrous. Well, we actually had that situation
2: in the good old DOS times when when Microsoft AV had its first attempt of of protecting DOS, right? So everybody knew how to... Work around the way that that Microsoft for DOS protected the system. So so now you would have the similar kind of situation where where you have Windows Defender everywhere, and malware writers had to only simply go around that. Except you know, yeah. the, you know apart from the other kind of tools that that are there to protect your systems.
1: Yeah, exactly. You don't want to have a homogenous uh, you know environment where everyone's using the same defense.
2: The other thing that people who are like mostly vulnerability researchers, like from Google Project Zero, um, hate in in heavy Software is that that apparently every Software approaches the 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 task of protecting the systems against malicious software in a wrong way. So apart from you know, instead of blacklisting software, the right way to do it, as they say, is only to allow the good software to run and and allow nothing else. Which mm-hmm. to me just seems to be like the the different side of the same coin, right? It's like you can never know all the uh, mal- malicious software. You can't always say, "Well, you can never know all the good software that can run." So, to me, it's kind of it's pretty tricky. What about all the scripts? What about all the mm. kind of documents that can also contain some code? So, it, it's it's kind of a very difficult thing, and I think it's about the same. Uh, it's doomed to fail one way or another.
0: And it, it it's really. It it is interesting that, isn't it? Is this whole idea of whitelist in the applications? I can imagine some corporate environments in very specialist cases or particular departments where that may work, where you may be able to say, these are the only programs which you can run. These are the ones which are authorized to run. Anything else, we're not going to allow it to run. But in a home user market, for instance, my auntie Hilda or somebody like that, you can't do that with her. You can't take that kind of approach. She just needs something really simple, which isn't going to require any maintenance by her, doesn't require any setting up or any configuration. That's what 99% of people require, is just to run a program which hopefully will find most of the malware attacks which are thrown against them. Nobody's saying antivirus is perfect. It isn't perfect, okay? There's no such thing as a perfect antivirus. Um, but some antivirus is better than nothing. And mm. using a different antivirus, as you as you said, Crow, avoiding that sort of monoculture mm. has to be a, a a good thing to do as well, because otherwise it's going to be so easy for the attackers to take advantage. Rather than testing their malware against twenty five different antivirus products from McAfee, Symantec, you know, F Secure, ESET, Bit Defender, they have to just beat Microsoft. Mm. You know, that's really putting us in a dangerous place. I think.
2: Absolutely. And there was an interesting thread on Twitter as well of that, you know, Veselin Bonchev, one of the kind of most well known and the older oldest kind of researchers in the AV world, um, kind of tried to to defend the AV side saying that AV after all brings more good than harm. Um, and then he was kind of critical of, of the Google security researcher Tavis Ormandy. And he said that Tavis is basically knows as much about AV as a shop window breaking hooligan knows about the art of Shop window arrangement, which was a pretty entertaining <laughs> quote.
0: <laughs> Vesselin is funny, isn't
1: it? The thing that's really um, interesting here, you know, is is how how are, this advice is very good for potentially experts, right? Robert O'Callaghan is not yeah. your typical user, right? And maybe it maybe his point is much better suited for people that have a much more intimate understanding of security and can secure themselves using different, you know, security products other than AV.
0: I think this is one of the things which the likes of Tavis or Mandy from Google haven't really appreciated. I mean, Tavis is bloody clever, right? He's a genius when it comes to these things, but he imagines that everyone is just as skilled as him at disassembling every single program which comes onto his, comes onto their computer and be able to analyze and work out whether it's malicious or not. So maybe Tavis or Mandy from Google doesn't need to run an antivirus, but. He's not like other people. And actually, neither is Veslin Bonchev. They're probably <laughs> clo- closer than they imagine to each other in, in their personalities.
1: Neither are you, Graham. Neither are you. Oh.
0: Yeah, Graham. I, I'm no Tavis or Mandy or Veslin Bonchev. More is the pity. Uh, <laughs> th- those guys, very smart cookies indeed.
1: Yeah.
0: <clears throat> oh, I like how you agreed with me there, though, Carol. Thanks very much. <laughs> Topic number three. That must be you, Carol. <laughs>
1: Yes, I wanted to talk about blocking ad blockers. Now, this is a hot topic in the old security industry. So people go out of their way to install ad blockers, don't they? I certainly do. And w- why do I do it? Um, ads are often annoying. They've become more annoying over time in terms of their placements and what you need to do to get rid of them to actually get to the content you're trying to get to. Um, I don't like being tracked by ads, you know, and followed around the internet to different sites I go. And, of course, ads can serve up malware, which we Know very well. Now, the news this week is a company called PageFair. Now, these guys are people that say this is how they put it on their site PageFair ads serve advertising in a manner that ad blockers are unable to circumvent and solves the speed, privacy, and UX issues that cause ad blocking in the first place. So they are certainly, uh, they put out a report to say ad blocking is getting uh, more popular amongst users, especially in emerging markets. And, you know, they're trying to put the fear of God, I think, into people who uh, create content. So some of their stats include 11% of the internet population now use ad blockers. That's, I don't know, one in 10. That seems, that seems probably about right to me, although the internet population is obviously <laughs> very large indeed. But what do you guys think? Does that sound about right in terms it of sounds- your experience?
0: It sounds plausible to me, and I'm um, certainly most people who's who ask me, "Can you have a look at my computer?" aren't running an ad blocker, mm, uh, and and it's it's always fascinating, isn't it, using a computer which isn't running an ad blocker because the internet looks so much different. Yeah. It's like, oh my goodness, how do you put up with this? All of these. I I have to admit everywhere. that
2: I don't use ad blocker, because I, I think it's kind of it's it's a price that you you know have to pay if you wanna continue using some of those news sites and stuff. But I agree that there's like a huge amount of risk. Um, And I'm I'm kind of using, well, not using Windows, let's say. Uh, So hopefully (laughs) I'm a little bit more protected
0: against some of the stuff. Security mm. through obscurity for yeah. Mr. Schweitzer yeah. there about which operating system he uses.
1: I know, but you listen. I so I use ad blockers, uh, but I don't use them on one of my devices, right? So, well, on my tablet. So I uh, go to some sites and I can't, I you know, I cannot even use to get to the content because I don't even think the ads have been designed for that medium very well on lots of sites. So, well,
2: c- certainly the mobile site adverts are super annoying because you know, those are the, they're the ones yeah. that are kind of displayed after three or four seconds delay when you start yes. reading and start scrolling as soon as you start scrolling that kind of the, the the advert appears and you have to click on it and they, th- they probably think oh such a great click-through rate
1: mm. now they do say so they say um ad uh, ad blocking is getting uh, is is growing so 62 percent of people using you know it's on ad, on mobile devices now right so 615 million devices are running ad blockers Okay, in wow. 62 on mobile devices. And they're also saying that it's grown 30% um, year on year. Now, what I, I don't get in all this is surely this is just telling us people are not liking or trusting or wanting the way ads work today. I yeah. Mean, It seems pretty clear to me if people are actually going out of their way to it's almost like you know it sounds dandruff shampoo right you have to go out and buy it so you have to go get these ad blockers and and to turn them on and configure them and you're doing that because you have a pain that you want to get rid of
2: yeah certainly some of the ads are not doing a very good job like they're not really relevant to what your interests are Mm. so i I don't think there's a value i never try well i certainly never clicked on any of the adverts except by chance
1: and, you know, that comes back. That's the big problem here. It's malvertising, right? So this is where an attacker uploads a malicious advert, you know, and they can be drive-by downloads as well. So all you need to do is actually just have a web page serve up the malicious ad in order to redirect, to redirect you to a malicious site. Um, there's been lots and lots of malvertising over the years. And all the big guys, you know, the Daily Mail, MSN, Yahoo, BBC, New York Times, Newsweek, AOL, NFL, I could go on. These, All these people were hit recently.
0: Now, no. Crow this this firm which has produced this research pagefet. <laughs> you, you said at the beginning that they are an ad blocker blocker they they are the so they're anti ad, they're not anti ads they're an ad company which tries to block ad blockers right they're the, they're the people who put up that irritating message saying before you read our content we'd really like you I... to whitelist us <laughs> so-. that's what they're doing aren't they
1: i'm not sure they're, are they're like
0: content. anti anti malware software Yes, I
1: I think it's quite. I was did a bit of digging to find out exactly how they operate and how they do this because there's loads of little ways you can get around, um, you know, uh, ads, the ad blockers. Um, I couldn't find the you know secret sauce page um, anywhere. So if anyone does know, I would love to hear.
2: Could it be they include some code in the page which kind of see whether something is displayed? They try to pull on from some other website if it doesn't display it or it doesn't pull from the website. Then it says, "Oh, you might be running an ad blocker."
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that's. I think that's what it will be.
1: Um, the reason I'm hesitating is because I did see somewhere where they actually kind of talked about blocking ad blockers is not necessarily the way forward. So that's why I was, I'm was i being a bit uh, sitting on the fence until okay. I know more. Anyway, what is funny, though, is that in late 2015, PageFair, the firm we're talking about who's put out this report, who works with some 3,000 publishers at the time, was hacked and left uh, 501 publishers site vulnerable to malware attacks via malvertising. So, you so know... What-
0: what happened, if I remember correctly, was their little bit of code, which was designed to detect if you were running an ad blocker and tell you to turn your ad blocker off. That bit of code itself was serving up some malware exactly. onto people's computers. <laughs> the iron. So, I forget, I mean, yeah. and That sounds wonder, like a great business model. And people wonder why, you know, they want to scan adverts for malicious stuff. I mean. Frank, frankly, I think web advertising doesn't really work very well. There's some companies who've done it quite well. I think Google has done it really well because their ads aren't that obtrusive, uh, intrusive. Intrusive, uh, you know, they're, yeah. they're just like text links rather than those. Do you remember the really irritating sort of graphical banner ads yeah, you used to yeah, get yeah. everywhere? Um, uh, and that sort of has begun to disappear a little in favor of the Google model. But I think all of this advertising doesn't really make an awful lot of money.
1: Well, people, okay. Right? Well, look.
2: it it, it must make money because Facebook and Twitter, I think their whole value is in exactly. kind, of pro- kind of monetizing this sort of advertising space, mm. and which if there is somehow money- they never managed to. Uh, it's only a potential so far.
1: And if there wasn't money in it, I, I don't think malvertising would be a big problem, right? Uh, you know. Uh, yeah, although,
0: I, although malvertising can infect yes. you just by having the advert viewed rather than you clicking on it. Of course, you just have Absolutely. to visit.
1: Yes, the, and the they also thing. have, and they can also make extra money by using the malvertising vector in order to basically use ransomware, you know, to lock up your, you know, lock up and demand a ransom. So there's lots of ways that can be very irritating. My my advice on this is I I recommend ad blockers, and that's not because I don't think content content payers uh, content providers should be paid. Of course they should, but I think we need a new way to make that happen. And a number of different ways you can do it. You can have page page sponsorship, which I think you do, Graham, on your website.
0: Yes, I do. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. works and, works very really nicely.
1: Yeah, and then there's obviously people. Um uh, you know, asking for payment, you know, in order to see mm-hmm. the content. Now, I'm guessing that doesn't work very well. I have seen it in a few places. I have paid for content on a number of websites that, uh, you know, where I think the, the content is valuable enough for it. Well,
2: some some great pages such as Guardian ask you to support it, not to pay for the content, but, yeah. you know, if you can yeah. contribute to it, like Wikipedia used to do as well at some point. Yeah.
1: So um, I think that model is a much more um, acceptable one to me. Or maybe using, a you know, the walled garden approach, because right now, I don't know. I don't think we've
0: got the answer yet. Well, I think it's a problem which is going to be uh, with us for some time to come, isn't it? Well, we are heading towards the close of the show. Before we do, we've got a little bit of feedback on uh, past episodes. Um, we've got uh, Bob has written in. He says, great podcast. I prefer audio over video so I can rest my eyes. Oh, I'm with him. Ah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. We, we all quite like a bit of a snooze while we're listening to Smashing Security. <laughs> 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 well, uh, some segments at least. Um, the audio is many, many t- Sorry about that. Many audio is many, many times superior compared to the first couple of videos and is extremely easy to listen to. Well, thank you very much. We've been trying to improve our audio. And, um, yeah, we, we've stopped for now doing the video version because we were having some problems with it, but m- maybe it'll come back in the future. Yeah, yeah, we have a, we have a
2: completely opposing view from Paula Thomas, and uh, she writes that she has a problem with audio podcasts. Since I'm partially deaf, and use lip reading to comment complement my limited hearing. So yeah, a, obviously, there a really is a value idea. in in video as well.
0: Yeah, so I think I think we should see if we can bring back the video version at some point. Uh, once we can get it right, mm. obviously, Paula, if if you, if you hear this. Um, Obviously, there's there's loads of great content on the blog as well and uh, on uh, security news sites where you can find out more uh, about what's going on if the audio podcast isn't working great for you. And uh, we'll always include good show notes so you can read more about the issues that we've been talking about, too.
1: And we have a comment here from Liam Glenn, who says he just started listening to He says, "I, I have just started listening to your first podcast and Graham's laugh scared the cat. So I'll only give it four stars. So Graham, you know wow. tone that down. Tone that down. Tone, Don't scare yeah. cats. I'm a I'm a cat fan, so uh, <laughs> you know, how oh, dare is that you the laugh? how
0: dare you My laugh is a little it has been compared on occasion to Muttley. <gasps> um, from if if you've ever seen Oh yeah, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, races. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you can talk, Vanya. You sound like the Count from uh, Sesame Street. So (laughs) to stop criticising me. Um, Ladies and gents, we are now on iTunes. Please go find us on iTunes. And if you've got something nice to say about us or leave a review or give us so many star rating, even if we have Upset Your Cat, please do. It really makes a big difference and helps spread the word out there Uh, as to us. um,
1: And thank you. And thank you for all of you that have already done it. It really helps. It really helps.
0: We're not just on iTunes. You can find us on numerous other podcast services as well. Just search for Smashing Security and you'll find it. That just about wraps it up for this week. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. If you like the show, tell your friends. Follow us on Twitter. We're at Smash In, without a G, Smash In Security on Twitter. Um, And uh, all that's left to me is to say thank you to uh, Vanya and Carol for uh, joining us once again. And until next time, bye-bye.